The Care Matters podcast is brought to you by the ESRC Centre for Care and CIRCLE, the Centre for International Research on Care, Labour and Equalities. In this series, our researchers welcome experts in the field and those giving or receiving care to discuss crucial issues in social care as we collectively attempt to make a positive difference to how care is experienced and provided. Hello everyone and welcome to today's podcast. My name's John Glasby. I'm Director of Impact, the UK Centre for Implementing Evidence in Adult Social Care. And this is the second in two podcasts that we've recorded around the role of impact and around uh, the importance of implementation in adult social care. In the first one, we heard from uh, Karen, from Terry and from Obert, speaking from the perspective of uh, someone who's drawn on care and support, someone who's a carer and someone who's been a care worker about some of the opportunities, but also the challenges facing adult social care. And then in this podcast, we've got opportunities for different members of the impact leadership team who bring different perspectives and have different roles within the system to reflect on what we've heard and on how impact might take it forward. So I'll introduce you to the two colleagues who are joining me today. Clenton, could you just say hello and give us a a brief uh, summary of your background? Uh, Hi, uh, uh, everyone. My name's uh, Clenton Farguson. I would introduce myself as a triple threat to uh, adult social care. As a person who draws on care and support, I'm, I'm, I'm a black man, I'm a disabled person, and I have uh, multiple long-term conditions. And I, um, uh, with others in Birmingham, run a disabled user-led organisation, and nationally, I'm the chair of Think Local at Personal, which is a partnership uh, of uh, organisations and people looking at promoting personalisation. Thanks, Clinton. And then I'll come to Karen. Hi, I'm Karen Hedge, and I am Deputy Chief Executive at Scottish Care, which is the membership body for care providers in Scotland. And on the leadership panel, I represent providers across the nations. I have the luxury throughout my career in care of having sat at different seats in the table entering social care as a paid care worker whilst I was at university. And at that time, I started to get frustrated with the system. And I suppose I've been fighting with systems ever since. So how do we really get away from those challenges that systems pose and move back to the delivery of care and support that's there to empower the people that we work with? Thanks, Karen. And I've got a similar um, set of experiences. When I trained as a, as a social worker, I, I found it really difficult placing people was the, the language used at the time in, in services that, that deep down I didn't feel were good enough for me or for my family. And I always wondered what I could do to try and make that better. And I think loads of people working across loads of parts of social care have that dilemma, uh, don't they, on a, on a daily basis. When we were listening to Karen and to Terry and to Obert, they, they raised a number of things that they wanted impact to take into account and to, to respond to as it gets up and running uh, with some of its pilot projects in 2022. And then it's much wider um, delivery uh, program from 2023 onwards. And one of the things that came up time and time again was was that they perceived a real lack of of shared vision 
um, in adult social care. A sense that it was really fragmented and quite hard for people from different backgrounds and different parts of the system to come together to, to talk to each other, actually, and to better understand each other and to work on common problems t- together. I know that that's been sort of centre stage in our thinking, and I can say a bit later on maybe about how Impact is in, intending to, to respond to some of that. But is that your experience too as well and the different roles that you've occupied, that, that lack of shared vision? And do you have a sense of what we could do to, to move that forward? So, Clinton, maybe I'll come to you first. Uh, on on uh, the, the lack of shared vision, um, I'm part of a uh, movement called Social Care Movement, and... Uh, um, with uh, TLAP and other peop- uh, people who draw on care and support and professionals and providers. And uh, uh, we coalesced around uh, this uh, vision that uh, talked about we all want to live in a place we call home with the people and things that we love in communities where we look out for one another, doing the things that matter to us, and that's the, uh, the North Star uh, that we're trying to uh, um, have a travel, uh, you know, direction of traveling and also using, making it real. And making it real, we at TLAP call uh, a roadmap that helps identify the sign posts on that journey to the North Star. And we uh, use I statements of what good personalised care and support looks like from the perspective of people who draw on care and support. That includes carers and unpaid uh, 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 carers. But also there is another element to the uh, I statement, which is the we statement that we expect organisations and uh, providers uh, to work to, and that's the we statements that help uh, realise what the I statements uh, uh, does. So, yes, totally agree there needs to be a shared understanding, but also a shared purpose. Clinton, just before I come to Karen, how do you, how do, you do that in practice? I mean, how do you do it as a person? Because you're, you're very uh, values-driven and, and you're very clear about what social care is and what it should be trying to achieve. And you don't back down from, from speaking your mind, but you, you don't do it in an adversarial way. You do it in a way that kind of brings people together from different perspectives and, and you, you kind of listen as well as talk. And I, I don't know, there's just something about, about, I don't know if it's you as a person or about how you approach the world that helps to kind of build relationships rather than rather than kind of alienate or exclude people. That that just feels really important to me as well. And I think that's, uh, I would, um, I owe that to my mum and dad. Um, my mum um, my and dad uh, are part of the Windrush uh, generation that came uh, to, to Birmingham and um, they put up and witnessed and a lot of um, inequalities, prejudice, stereotypes for, uh, for them, but what they instilled in us as a family was, uh, you know, to forgive, but don't forget. And um, one of the things that they've always uh, said to me uh, was to uh, remember a time when you didn't know what you know now. So not everybody has gone on that journey as you. So um, my um, mom and uh, dad uh, always said, you need to be a bridge 
you know, and uh, I remember then um, listening and hearing about Malcolm X and uh, uh, Nelson Mandela, and they all talked about uh, the term bridging. You have to bring people together to, you know, and talk about uh, uh, the wider us than them and us. And um, that then brought me on to uh, looking at how important language is, you know, and if we look at uh, adult social care, it's peppered with uh, uh, a us, you know, uh, dehumanising language, even, you know, about service user, you know, and for me, service user is a passive recipient, not an active citizen who you would want to take part in designing what uh, um, your future may uh, look like. And that's why we, when we talk about personalization, we said a life, not a service. So how do we create meaningful lives as an, an equal life of others? Yeah, thanks, Clinton. That's really inspiring and um, just really important that we live that out in our practice and our relationships, isn't it? And Karen, what would what would you say about that, both that lack of shared vision, but also, you know, kind of the role that either you or, or Scottish Care or Impact can play in, you know, in bringing people together to work on some of that stuff with each other? First of all, wow, what a privilege to sit beside you here, Clinton, and have that conversation. You really are an inspiration. Yeah, absolutely fascinating insight. So thank you so much for sharing that. I wanted to also come back to, you know, the strap line about this is not about service. It's about having a life. Some of that chimes with the opportunities that we have ahead of ourselves in Scotland at the moment. So we are on the precipice of the creation of a national care service. And one of the, the some of the work that we did at Scottish Care, which was a collaborative piece of work that was co-produced and co-designed about what that future of care should look like. And that's really the crux here. And I'll come back to co-design in a minute. Um, but keeping in that focus of not about service, about having a life, what we posited in the result of that piece of work is actually shouldn't be a national care service that we're creating. It should be a national care framework. This is about creating a system that supports people to have that life, not about that service, not about that passivity, not about that doing to. So I'll come back to the co-design bit now. And, and Clinton spoke about this as well. This is about, you know, actors owning their own potential, but working together to achieve that and obtain that. And that's where the shared vision comes from. Uh, I had a really, really inspirational meeting yesterday about some work on um, care at home collaboratives that's happening in Fife. And what we came to really, and this is not new, we know this, things work. When we approach it in a space of equality, we all roll up our sleeves and we get on and we get it done. And that's what's really important here. It's not about services. It's about having a life. Yeah, thanks both. And I, as you've been talking, I've just been reflecting on um, some of the design principles behind impact as well and the way we're trying to take that forward. You know, we have that mission of uh, good care isn't about services. It's about having a life, which is, is really consistent with the vision that both of you uh, set out. Last week, I was chairing one of our impact assemblies, and, and we have five of those across the UK, but they're, they're made up of a, a mix of people who draw on care and support, carers, uh, frontline practitioners of different kinds, service providers of different kinds, leaders and commissioners of different kinds, researchers and others. And it, it felt a little bit like that, what you're both saying, really, but in microcosm, as we were testing some of our thinking and developing our, our ways of working. And... Um, it was just like the best part of my week chairing that assembly, if I'm honest, the kind of richness of that that dialogue. And um, they weren't easy 
conversations because lots of people didn't agree with each other on on the best way forward. So quite difficult conversations in in, in one sense, but really important. Um, but I think they started from a, a position of respect uh, for each other and a kind of desire to make things better um, and a desire to listen as well as to to, to speak. And, and so it was. You know, I think those kinds of ways of working are going to be really important for impact. Um, and, and, I, and I think it's going to have a real kind of convening role, if you like, in helping to facilitate some of those discussions. And um, I wonder whether that's a bit different to some other evidence centres that have been in the past where, you know, it's almost as if we've got an answer and we just need to give it to people. Um, whilst here, I'm not sure there's an answer necessarily, but it's about coming together to to work on it and to try and make progress together um so, so i i was just making the links with some of the kind of impact conversations as you were you were speaking another thing that karen and oba and terry mentioned was around um it's really hard to do some of this work in a, in a society that tends to undervalue care generally uh, to undervalue people who draw on care and support uh, to undervalue care and then to undervalue people who are involved in in providing care as well and they were hopeful that impact could be part of a of the process of increasing the visibility and drawing attention to the importance of of care is something that helps us all live the kind of lives that we want to to, to lead t- together is, is that something again that you recognize in your your work that undervaluing of care and the the job to be done to try and change mindsets and perceptions and maybe karen i could start with you I wish I could say no, but sadly um it's absolutely something we see time and time and again. Most recently, we saw the winter pandemic response times when we had a particularly challenging uh, crisis on our hands with staffing issues and uh, obviously pandemic response at the same time. And the politicians wanted to intervene to support the sector. And what they did was to invest money in both the NHS and social care. Now, that sounds really like an excellent plan on the face of it. But what they did actually was pay social care staff less for doing the same job as someone in the NHS. So they aligned uh, a social care job to a band less than the equivalent of that band would be in a, working in a hospital. Um, and in Scotland as well, social care staff are professionally registered, whereas those working in the hospital wouldn't be. So effectively, it was a double whammy. So how do we get over that? How do we change that perception? And, and how do we get the public to understand as well that frankly social care is not just about tea um, which sadly is what many many people think so some of this is through that professional registration um, but also how do we value staff who are professionally registered who are regulated um, open up better career pathways for them as well opportunities to progress within social care to develop new skill sets there's a lot of really good opportunities coming up with them um, digital and data as well work that we did with the Glasgow School of Art, for instance, on what the future of care at home could be, created three different roles for care at home staff. So um, we had the care connector and uh, we have, they are looking at creating meaningful relationships. Those could be digital relationships, they could be physical relationships. We have the care navigator who's effectively supporting someone through the system um, and helping them to understand what a multidisciplinary team is and actually how people and individuals can use that multidisciplinary team. 
to, to support them effectively. Um, and lastly, we had the care technologists, which hopefully we're going to be taking forward as part of the impact work. And that's about people being able to use technology in a different way to support them to live independently and to contribute to society for longer. So through creating those different career pathways um, for social care, hopefully we're starting to raise the profile of care, starting to think about how care can be delivered differently as well. In addition to that, there's also the, the changing of perspectives of what care should be and how it could be looked at. And um, this was discussed slightly in, in the first episode, but in Scotland, social care is actually a net contributor to the economy. It is across all the nations. And in Scotland, that comes to a, a cost of £3.4 billion, which is no small sum, given that it contributes more to agriculture than agriculture, forestry and fishing combined. Um, so it is really large. How do we reframe social care? Not just as, you know, being that empowering and independence supporting uh, framework that it could be, but also in being that valuing um, contributor to the economy of society. Yeah, thanks, Karen. I think that's really important. Uh, for me, social care is a, is a form of social and economic investment that we make in ourselves as, as individuals and as a society to have a, a better life together. Uh, but, but it also makes such a massive impact in terms of the economy and local communities and jobs and um, uh, the things that it frees us up to do with our time and our skills. And it too often gets portrayed as a kind of drain on scarce resources, doesn't it, as, as, as the opposite of that. Um, and again, I hope impact can be part of drawing attention to and celebrating and, and, and part of that, that reframing. Clinton, is that your take as well, that, that there's, there's a job to be done there about reframing? Uh, and you've mentioned the social care future vision earlier as a really good example of that and of raising the profile of care as, as part of the work that impact does. Most definitely, uh, uh, definitely agree about the reframing, even if we look at the, the you know, the, the language of care worker, you know, um, we've done some, uh, you know, anecdotal exercise to see what the public think of uh, the term. And most people's uh, perception and uh, imagery that's associated with, the, uh, you know, the word care worker is someone that works in an institution, you know. Uh, 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 and, um, you know, uh, when we said uh, the term personal assistant, that, that had no resignation. No one really understood what, uh, what that term meant. Most people thought it was someone working in an office, you know, uh, doing admin uh, type work. But a personal assistant enables me, as a disabled person, to have a life. They facilitate me doing things that other people just take for granted. And um, we need to understand that the term... Uh, care worker isn't fixed it's fluid and it can have within that term a support worker uh, a personal uh, assistant but um, we need to understand that it doesn't have to mean that you as a care worker you work in institutions wearing uniforms and and, and so on my personal assistants do not wear uh, um, a, a uniform they uh, uh, come in into my house and help me when I'm doing, uh, you know, work or volunteering or just uh, trying to access the community. And uh, so reframing, uh, there's a lot of work that we need to do, but also um, about investment. You talked about the Karen and John, you talked about uh, investment. 
And for me, um, investment needs to be looked through uh, the lens of infrastructure. And what I mean by that, um, you know, if you look at care and support, I think there's a lack of physical infrastructure that enables that uh, that vision of uh, social care that I talked about um, to, to happen, but also human infrastructure, you know, uh, to enable uh, to be uh, uh, caring about each other. It's about uh, uh, relationships. It's, uh, you know, and we forget all of that. That is really important and reward and recognition is uh, uh, important. But also, um, I just had done a, uh, a, a little bit of research about the value. Um, and uh, I heard, um, um, I saw that a dog walker could get um, between uh, 15 and 20 pound an hour. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, a care worker or others would get nine pound, uh, uh, between £9.50 and £10.50. Now, that tells me what we value in, in, in life, you know, and we need to have, I think, uh, a, a national conversation, you know, uh, and put politics to uh, aside, but a national conversation of what type of society do we want yeah, I agree with that, Clinton. And um, when I was thinking about what to do career-wise, I remember saying I want to be a social worker and I want to work with older people. And someone said to me, don't do that, John. You're clever enough to be a doctor. And there's just, I mean, there's so much in that statement, isn't there, about kind of what we value and who we value and and about our assumptions about life. And I think there was a kind of rebellious streak in me that made me think, do you know what, if I do nothing else, I'm going to be a social worker working with older people, just despite the person that said that uh, to me. But it would be easy for a young person not to respond like that, wouldn't it? To think, oh, actually, maybe this isn't a good career choice. I should be doing something something else. So, so I think there's something really important for impact about how we're kind of visible and, and how we celebrate our work and other people's work and, you know, raise the profile of the, the sector. Um, I'm doing some work at the moment um, alongside um, Anna Severite from Social Care Future uh, as well, um, supporting the uh, as, as advisors to the House of Lords committee that there is on adult social care, and they're they're focusing on how do we increase the visibility of of social care. You know, maybe at the moment it's too easy for politicians to ignore social care because they don't get the same public pressure or response around care-related issues as they do on other topics. So actually does visibility and understanding and and, and kind of support for the the notion of care lead to you know, better funding in future and different kinds of, um, you know, more more profile and, and, and better policy and so on if we can do something about visibility. So that feels like a really important byproduct of a centre like Impact. And certainly with the funding we've won as well, we're aware that it's a kind of once in a generation opportunity for uh, to do something really meaningful and, and, and to draw attention to the importance of these issues. I'll just move on to something else that, that, that Terry and Oba and, and Karen raised, and that was about the importance of co-production. And you've both talked about that already. But um, our sense, I think, as a leadership team is that when we talk about evidence of, of, of what works, there are all sorts of assumptions about what constitutes valid evidence and who decides. But I think for us at Impact, when we talk about evidence, we're meaning insights from different kinds of research 
we're meaning the insights from people's lived experience if they draw on care and support or if they're carers and we're talking about uh, the practice knowledge of of people who work in adult social care services uh, and i'd see research lived experience and practice knowledge as as three kind of complementary but but slightly different ways of knowing the world that we we need to bring together to to kind of triangulate and to to kind of work with as as we bring people together to work on you know common problems and hopefully on common solutions and that'll be central to everything that impact does but again have you come across that in your roles that that kind of assumption that when we you know either a belittling of co-production as, as something that should run throughout everything that we do but also when it comes to debates about evidence that that kind of assumption that evidence means particular types of, of research rather than lived experience practice knowledge and and research um clinton would that be your experience um I totally agree. One of the issues, uh, even if we, when we talk about the term co-production, it's a bit jargonistic, you know, uh, and when I talk about um, co-production, it means working together, learning together, you know, and also um, I hear a lot of organisations talk about they're doing co-production and it feels for me, uh, it just reminds me of the song by uh, Salt and Pepper, uh, and they uh, talked about let's talk about sex. And co-production for me is it's like teenage sex. Everyone talks about it. Nobody's really knows how to do it. Everyone thinks everybody else is doing it. So everyone claims they're doing it. And that's how it, it feels uh, 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 for me. And I just think we need to uh, actually do intentional relationship building to uh, uh, move in the direction that uh, we need because I, I believe we're at a crossroads and, you know, resources, we need uh, everybody to be involved in those discussions to uh, look at um, uh, creating something different and using new thinking to create that. And I, and I believe uh, we need to accept wisdom is that uncertainty is increasing. And the only way to uh, uh, look at that is to bridge, bring people together to look to help become uh, the solution. And, um, and one of those biggest uh, solutions for me, I think, is um, it reminds me of a book, um, by um, Ralph G. Nichols that talked, uh, it's called um, Are You Listening? And uh, um, the, the biggest quote that sticks in my mind about the, the book, it says, um, the most basic of all human needs is the need to understand and be understood. And the best way to understand people is to listen to them. Thanks, Clinton. I, I agree entirely. Um, I'm also amused that in the course of the conversation, we've gone from Malcolm X to Nelson Mandela to Salt and Pepper. It's a slightly unlikely trio, isn't it? But but you weave them together seamlessly. That's incredible. Karen, what would you what would you say about about co-production and about that that kind of maybe that slightly broader, more inclusive, more more messy notion of what evidence actually is? So let's take a co-production approach. Uh, I'll come back in about 10 minutes once we've sorted our bit out first and then we'll let you in to do co-production. Isn't that how it works? 
Um, <laughs> and I think there lies the challenge of co-production. You know, everyone, is, as Clinton was saying, everyone says they're doing it, but actually you get a bit stuck because when you have an, an idea or a concept or a vision, uh, what, what bit does it become co-production? And, and if you've started thinking about it already, does that mean that my thoughts are part of the system starting and, and when do I invite other people in and, and how do we work agile and how do we make sure that we create that space for everyone to be equal in that and how do we make sure we're all creating that level playing field? And I think this is part of what we've been grappling a bit with impact as well. And the creation of the assemblies has been that space of, of leveling up, I guess, of, of creating a space for people to come together and actually um, make sure that everyone engaged and involved has uh, a shared concept, a shared understanding of, of where we are and where we're approaching this from and actually what we want to achieve. Some of the work that we have done through our Social Care Futures program was uh, creating a discursive document. And that's thinking about what if social care was recognized as leaders in creativity and innovation. So that innovation is driven by the aspirations of people and communities rather than services and systems. Uh, we're acknowledging our assets. Those local partnerships, how do we facilitate them, make them happen, using that more effectively for the benefits of communities. And of course, I couldn't speak about co-production without speaking about self-directed support and, and really you know, giving people the opportunity and the chance to take control of their own choice and how they access care and support. So all of these are about co-production, but actually, do you know what? In social care, we are facilitators of that change. That is what we are skilled to do. So some of what impact needs to do is create those conditions um, for co-production to happen. And to be honest and open and transparent about where we are in that process as well. Um, and very much making it an open process where we can allow people to engage in that equal space. Speaking about how we recognize what is intelligence, data, research, evidence, that gets much more complicated. Um, and I guess I wanted to come back to uh, a quote by Brenny Brown because I found her during lockdown and um, she, well, she got me through some dark times, if I'm perfectly honest. And um, she describes stories as being data as a soul with soul. Um, so how can we use that to underpin our thinking, to capture you know, what is happening in the moment, to capture what is happening beyond that, um, and to conceptualize the future as well? So once you start to think of a story as a form of evidence, then you begin to open space for more nuanced response, for more individual response, for a much more personalised response. And I think there's a lot of opportunity through that. That's fantastic, both of you. Thank you. Uh, in a moment, I'll just come to both of you as we wrap up. Just just very briefly, um, if there's anything that you're, you know, what are your aspirations for impact? Yeah, you know, in a sentence, in a couple of sentences, wh why are you in this? You're busy people you know you're incredibly busy people and yet you're giving up your time and, and to work on this long-term uk-wide center what, what what are you hoping that it can deliver and then maybe at the end i'll just say a little bit about what i've heard from the two podcasts and how i think um people can get involved in in, in future as well so so clinton what's what's in it for you what are you hoping that impact achieves what's in it for me uh, i hope impact achieves that's a really good question um I would have to use um, the analogy of sharp elbows. Uh, and what I mean by that, um, I know how the system is supposed to work and how it often works in practice. 
And I know the question to ask. I also understand the importance of collective voices of uh, uh, people who draw on care and support. Uh, um, but not everyone has these sharp elbows. Uh, and um, too often people struggle to get the information, the advice, the support they need to plan and make decisions around care and support. So we need to get smarter at providing information and advice that makes sense to people about their rights and entitlements, but also all the resources that can assist them to keep well, active and connected. And basically, it's about relationships, you know, uh, and, uh, and we need to rebalance the transactional elements of uh, adult social care and make it more human, you know, uh, 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 and to stop that, um, I would call it, um, uh, um, it reminds me of um, the Vicar of Dibley, you know, the character um, Jim Trotz, who keeps saying, no, 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 no. You know, that's what people uh, re uh, re remember. So I would like to hope we can um, stop all that lost trans translation that impact can make a real practical difference in the experience, uh, you know, at the practical end of uh, using and, uh, you know, giving and receiving of care and support. Thanks, Clinton. And Karen, what would you say? Goodness. So for me, impact is an opportunity to create pathways uh, so that we can learn through mutual experience and to value those and capture those and then use those so that we can really move from the improvement agenda to uh, a truly transformational agenda for social care that starts to you know really put into action and into place all of those things that we've conceptualized for care for so many years um, so that we move to that bottom-up grassroots system that's fundamentally doing things for people and um, by people who um, access care and support and that system that that values people at the heart of it at the center of it and leading through that change thank you both there's been loads in that discussion and in the uh, the first podcast with karen and terry and um obert and um I've heard lots about the importance of shared vision and about kind of convening and coming together, uh, creating kind of spaces in which we can do that. Uh, lots about the importance of co-production uh, and meaningful two-way relationships uh, at every stage uh, of Impact's work uh, and its governance. About reframing and raising the profile and celebrating care and the, the relationships that, that, that it represents. Uh, and also about that, the importance of that practical support on the ground to, to make a difference in the, uh, the realities of, uh, of local services. If people are interested in finding out more about Impact or what's happening next, please go to the, the website. Uh, people can sign up to be part of a regular distribution list. And uh, user, and uh, user and care led organisations in particular or community groups that work with people whose voices are seldom heard can also add some extra details, still very brief if they want to, so that we can keep in particular touch with them and, and work to ensure that those voices are heard uh, in all the work that we uh, do.
So a massive thank you from me to Clinton, uh, to Karen, and then from the first podcast to Terry, uh, to Obert, uh, and to Karen McCormick. And let's keep these conversations going because they the bringing together of people from different backgrounds to explore these issues, to make sense of the world, and then to, to move forward together feel like a really important part of the, the solution. So thank you for listening. <laughs>